sin. Amen. So I want you, if you would, to turn with me your Bibles to Psalm 51. We're going to read two verses here. Psalm 51, let's read verses 16 and 17. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. I want to talk this morning to you about this brokenness that the Lord speaks of in his word. A broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Uh, it's a sacrifice to God. It's a great value to the Lord. It's pleasing to the Lord when people come before him with a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. You might have heard this phrase before or this saying. I have, and typically I hear it in the, in the sense of a, the church world. I hear it. And it's this. The world is it's a broken world filled with broken people. You might have heard that phrase before. And to be honest with you, that's, that's kind of like saying the hospital is filled with sick people. That's, that's a no-brainer. There's a broken world filled with broken people. But is that the brokenness that is spoken of here in the Bible? Is that the brokenness that's spoken of that is a sacrifice to God, the sacrifices of God, or a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite, O God, thou will not despise? I want to read this from, Psalm 50, I mean, from Isaiah 57. Verse 15, for thus saith the high and lofty one, so the Lord is speaking, the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in a high and holy place. So just picture the Lord, he's speaking, he inhabits eternity, speaking on his own behalf, I, I'm high and holy, I'm lifted up, I inhabit eternity, I dwell in a high and holy place, listen, with them also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So again, I'll think about this saying, this phrase. I'm not uh, belittling it. I'm trying to put it in a biblical sense. The world is it's a broken world filled with broken people. And I believe the problem is honestly and actually that people are not broken. I think that is the problem. Because if they were broken, they could come to God and be received, and, and he would welcome them with open arms. It's the fact that the world is not broken. It's broken in the sense that it's not functioning properly. There's no question about that. But when you say it's a broken world filled with broken people, again, that's like saying the hospital is filled with sick and hurting people. We know that. But I'll tell you what neither does. When you say it's a broken world filled with broken people, it does not address two things. It does not address the cause of the brokenness, of that brokenness, and it does not address the cure of how a man can be healed. Obviously, the world is broken. And obviously, we would say the world is broken in this sense. It's broken in the sense of being in sin. This world is in sin. The whole world lies in the embrace of the wicked one. The whole world lies in darkness and sin. And the light of Jesus Christ comes and shines into that world. Yes, it's broken in the sense that it's broken it being in sin. It's broken in the sense that this world and men created in the image of God are not functioning properly, if you want to put it that way. Functioning as God created this world to function and he, uh, the way he created men to, to function and live. 
It's broken in the sense that men are not walking in right relation to their creator. It really comes down to that. What's broken about the world? Well, there's storms and there's poverty and there's injustice and there's sickness and there's disease and there's tsunamis and there's earthquakes and there's uh, crooked politicians and there's all these things. Yes, what's the problem? What's the brokenness? The brokenness is, not, is that man is not in right relation to their God and maker. They're not in a right relationship. The Bible says in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's. Well, we think it's ours and we think uh, uh, we just can make a better world, make a better place and save the planet and all. No, no, the, the earth is the Lord's, his possession. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell in, there, in it. That's people. For he has established it upon the floods and founded it upon the seas. It's God's world. It's his creation, and every human being, whether they know Christ or not, is created in the image of God, and by God, he is their creator. So without question, the world is broken in that sense. It's, it's not what the Lord intended nor intends for it to be. I'll also say this, it's not what it one day will be. Are you glad about that? We talked about that at the end, very end of Sunday. God's going to right the wrongs. God is going to, he's going to set things straight. And I have to remind myself of that. Because if I just look at this world and the way things are going, even, even uh, just about every area of life that you would look at, you say, it's, it's almost like bad news. More bad news, more bad news, more bad news. And yet we have to remember he is in heaven. He sits on his throne. God, this is my father's world, like that old hymn says. And we can rest in the thought. Though the wrong seems so, so strong, he is the ruler yet. The world is broken. It is not functioning right in the sense that it's not what God created to be. It's obviously men are hurting. Men are filled with heartache. Men are filled with disappointment and despair. And the reason is because of sin and living in a world of sin and because men and women are estranged from the one true living God. They're estranged from the one who can actually, quote, fix their brokenness and what's wrong. And so, yes, the world is filled with these things. I want to read this from Revelation. I heard a great voice. This is the end of the end of the end. You read from Genesis to Revelation. What do we get at the end of Revelation, the last book of Revelation, the last thing that John saw that the angel told him to write it down and don't seal it for the time is at hand. And he says, speak this. I heard a great voice out of heaven, John said, saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. This is what's coming. The tabernacle of God, the dwelling place of God is there's a coming a day where he won't, people won't be estranged from the Lord uh, all that have given their lives to Christ and put their faith in the Lord, he's going to bring his dwelling place on earth to be with men. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them. Emmanuel, right? Emmanuel, God with us. And be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. Look at these things that won't be part when the brokenness, quote, is fixed by the Lord. God's going to wipe away tears. There's going to be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. That's not part 
of this current broken world, that, that characteristic, that will be part of what the Lord is bringing to this earth. And so the world is broken, again, in the sense that people are estranged from the one true living God. That's the cause. So when you say it's a broken world bro- filled with broken people, and again, it's funny because I've seen it like on church marquees or church slogans, it, it's not addressing either the problem or the cure. It's just people are broken, but the problem is they're not really broken in a biblical sense. There are men that love their sin. There are men that love their sin. They defy the living God, and they're going to keep on in that sense. They need to be broken, and men are estranged from this God that can fix them or cure them in that sense. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Well, that's what we're seeing, isn't it? The wages of sin is death. Everything's out of whack. Everything's out of whack. Nature's out of whack. Everything's out of whack. Uh, And not functioning as it should be. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to read this from Romans 8. For we know, Paul says, that the whole creation, so it's not just men, but it certainly includes men, the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. The whole creation's groaning in pain. It certainly is broken in that sense. It's not what it should be. The earth, and it has to do with man, it has to do with men's sin. Just a casual look around us will tell us and reveal that, that, that men are broken in that sense and hurting. But is that, I ask the question again, is that the brokenness that the Lord is speaking of in Psalm 51? Is that the brokenness and contrition? No, it certainly is not. The fact that the world is malfunctioning and filled with hurting people, that's not the brokenness that the Lord esteems as a sacrifice unto himself. I want to read this from Isaiah 62. For all those things hath my hands made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. Listen to this, but to this man will I look. Who's going to the Lord going to look at, give attention to, spend time with, go to? But to this man will I look, even to him that is a, is a poor and contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. So there's a difference between the brokenness saying the world is broken. It is. It's not functioning properly. And the brokenness in a biblical sense of the individual's heart being broken before the Lord. He says, I'm going to look, this man I'm going to look to, even to him that is of a poor and contrite spirit and trembles at my word. That is something that the Lord produces. It comes about, well, how does a man get from being rebellious and stubborn and, and defiant to God to being with that contrite and broken spirit and heart before the Lord? It is a working of the Lord. It is a working of the Holy Spirit to reveal to that man his sinful nature in light of us, his creator, a holy God. It really comes down to that, is a working of the Holy Spirit to bring that person to a realization and acknowledgement of our sin and sinfulness before the Lord. This brokenness and contrition is a working of the Holy Spirit if men will let the Lord do that, if men will allow the Lord to do this. And it, it's brokenness because of one thing. You know, it's not brokenness because, uh, you know, people are cheating other people and 
people are betraying other people and militaries and wars. It's a brokenness over one thing of sin. We're brokenness. We're brought to a place of conviction, which should lead us to a place of brokenness over our sin. Our, our sin against God, our disobedience to the Lord, unthankfulness to Almighty God, rebellion to the one who created us, and our sinful state and nature. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. For, for God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Amen? He gives grace to the humble. So yes, our Lord does. He, he loves and appeals to men that are lost and in this world and estranged from him, rebellious men, men that are hurting, men that are lonely, etc. But he takes the initiative, praise the Lord, he does. He takes the initiative to come to men in their sin. He takes the initiative to come to men in their sin and to save and to heal and to help and to comfort and to deliver. He comes to us while we're in our sin. It is the goodness of God that actually leads a man to repentance. You know what that word lead means? A good, no, no, you're not. Paul says that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. That is his goodness. He wants to bring you and every man to a place of repentance where we turn from sin and turn to God and fall upon the Lord and call upon the Lord. That is his goodness. That word lead actually means to carry. The Lord actually carries and bears us to repentance if we'll let him, if we'll allow him to do that. He takes the initiative. He comes to sinners in their sin. He doesn't wait for us to clean up our lives. He comes to sinners in their sin. Praise God, he does, or we'd never get to God. He comes to us in our sin. He comes to seek and save the lost. And he, by his goodness, can lead men to repentance if we will believe him and if we will follow and allow him to. In true repentance, there is going to be and must be true brokenness. True brokenness, biblical brokenness. In repentance, there has to be a true brokenness. Listen what David said. David, we heard about in Sunday school this morning. David, a man after God's own heart, he had some very notable sin, very horrible sin that's written for all the world to see. And he comes to a place where he says, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me against thee. Thee only have I sinned. What is he broken about? What is he broken over? What is the contrition over his own sin? He's broken before the Lord in a biblical sense, in a good sense, over his own sin. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. I was formed in sin, he's saying. I didn't just do some bad things. That's another thing people need to realize. It's not just we've sinned and done some wrong things. We are sinners by our very nature until the Lord redeems us and he makes us new and we're new in Christ. We're sinners by our very nature. He goes, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. This is the brokenness. This is the contrition. Not, oh, it's a broken world filled with broken people. Yes, it is. But the problem is they're not broken before the Lord. They're not humbling themselves before Almighty God. David is. 
Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Amen. Listen to this. I know that you know this, but a man can be hurt. You pick any man on the planet. You know people that are hurting? Everybody you know is hurting. A man can be hurt, or a woman, and hurt severely, listen, and not be broken before the Lord. They can be hurt. They can take a severe blow and take another severe blow and be beat down and stomped down by life and not be broken in a biblical sense. Not be of a broken and contrite heart before Almighty God. Let me tell you, some people, praise God, not everybody, but some people would rather curse God when they're going through troubles and hurt by life filled with heartache, they'd rather curse God and blame God than come to Him and be saved. That choice is up to us. He gave you a free will and He gave me a free will. And everybody walking on this planet, wherever they are with the Lord, every man has a free will to choose God or not choose God. They could be tied up in prison. They could be beaten half out of their mind in, in a prison and starving to death somewhere in North Korea. They still have a choice to choose God or not choose God. To humble themselves before the Lord. Listen what it's going to be like. Not all, but some in the, in the book of Revelation during the tribulation period that is to come on this earth. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands. That they should not worship devils and idols of gold and of silver and of brass and of stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. People are being killed by horrible plagues of different... During the, during the tribulation period, and yet they're not repenting. And yet God has designed it by his goodness to bring men to repentance. Even the tribulation period, he wants men to be saved. And many are going to be saved, many are not. Another verse, and men, Revelation 16, were scorched with great heat. And listen what they did, and blasphemed the name of God. They're going through a horrible pain. The sun is, has extra intensity and heat, and they're being scorched with great heat, and they blaspheme the name of God, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him the glory. Men can be broken by life and not be broken before God. Men can be broken and crushed by troubles and heartaches and betrayals and not be broken before the Lord. He is working to bring men to repentance. Know that. Know that your God and our God and the God of this Bible right here loves men. He takes the initiative to save men. And he is coming still on this earth today by his Holy Spirit, by the word of God, by the preaching of the gospel, by the conviction of the Holy Ghost to bring men to that place of brokenness and contrition so he can, quote, heal them and fix them. He is the answer. He is the helper. He is the deliverer. He is the healer. He is the savior for all men. There is no savior besides the Lord, besides the Lord. And he is willing and able to save and deliver and heal and help men who are in sin. We wouldn't be here today if he wasn't that type of God. But he is. He's willing and able to bring men out of the cruel bondage of sin. But men must come. When he draws, when he speaks, when he leads, when he convicts, 
today and you'll need to respond to that. That's how we come to the Lord. You might be sitting here today and you don't know Jesus Christ and, and the Lord's dealing with your heart and convicting you of sin. You have to respond to God. He wants you to. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to give your life to the Lord. God wants to bring men out. Men must come, must, must believe upon the Lord and turn to him. How many of you know that sin is not your friend? Sin is not your friend. Well, I enjoy my sin. I enjoy mine. You fill in the blank, whatever that sin is. You know the Bible says don't do it, but I like that. I enjoy that. Well, there's pleasure to sin for a season. The Bible says that. Grant that. There is some type of pleasure to sin, but it's short-lived. The wages of sin is death. Sin is not your friend. Sin is not helping you out. Sin does not care about you in your best. The wages of sin is death, but Christ is the true friend of sinners. He comes to men in their sin. Men must come before the Lord Jesus Christ, humble themselves before Almighty God, acknowledge their sins, and turn from it. He's not asking us to do a whole bunch of things. It really is just an acknowledgement of our sin and confessing that to God and calling to the Lord as the answer for that, as our healer for that. He alone can fix what's broken with all of our lives, but there has to be, listen, a sincere, godly brokenness and contrition. Has to be. I want to define the words because we've been using brokenness and contrition this morning in this message. In a biblical sense, what the Lord is talking about when a broken and a contrite heart is a sacrifice to the Lord. It's like a praise. It's like an offering back to the Lord. Brokenness means this, to burst, to break down, to break in pieces, to shatter in pieces, brokenhearted, crushed. And contrition means same brokenness, to collapse. So somebody comes to the Lord in their sin and they're so broken, they just collapse over their own sin. Not because their wife left them, not because they got fired from their job, not because life's treating them cruelly. A brokenness over their own sin towards an almighty God. A contrition. And that brokenness means to collapse. Can you just picture somebody just collapsing at the altar, collapsing at the foot of the cross, collapsing at the feet of Jesus Christ saying, oh God. How I've sinned against you. I acknowledge it, Lord. May they can't even speak the words. That's what the Lord's looking for. That's what's in the, the sight of the Lord is of great value and an offering. In fact, that's the only one he can really save and work in their lives. If we just think life's cruel and I'm hurt and I'm broken and brokenhearted and my spouse of 30 years left me and this, that, and the other, and we... And we're broken, and that is cruel, that is hard. But this brokenness is the one God can heal. If we'll come to him and turn from our sin, he'll heal all the other things. He'll take care of all of the other things. I want to read this from, if we know the story, I'll just kind of give us a synopsis of it. Peter and the apostles, Jesus is, is speaking to the multitudes of people, preaching and teaching. And the crowd was so great, they were by the seashore. He says, Peter, let me get on your boat. 
and just push off just a little offshore, and that'll be my pulpit, my platform. I'll get away from the crowds of the people and be able to speak. So he's on the boat in the water preaching to the people, and he turns to Peter, to Simon. He says, Simon, let down your net for a draught or a drag. That's how they fish, with nets, not hooks and lines at that time. Professional fishermen, they're using nets. He says, Lord, we've toiled all night and taken nothing. We fished all night and didn't catch anything. But he believes in the Lord, and he says, nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. Since you told me to, it's you're the one that's telling me to do it, I'm going to do it. They're still right there by the bank. They didn't catch anything all night, and the Lord says, let down your net. Do what I'm telling you to do. And Peter says, but nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to do it. So you know, the, you know the account. He lets down his net, and they try to pull it up, and it's so filled with fish, he, he can't get in the boat. He's got to get help getting in the boat. And then he's got to get his fishing buddies over there, James and, and, and John and Andrew and all of them, and they, they fill the boat so much the boat starts to sink. Now, it's a miracle, right? We know it's a miracle, but it's a miracle for a point. It's a miracle for a reason. And when Peter saw the great catch of fish, he was just amazed. And this is a godly thing. He turns to the Lord. And you say, what does this have to do with fish? Peter turns, when he saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Bing, light bulb comes on. The Lord can multiply fish. He can put as many fish in that net and on that boat he wants to any time. But for a man to see his own sinfulness before the Lord, that's a miracle. That's a real miracle because I have a free will and I can be stubborn and I can continue to shake my little fist at God. For him to see it and he'd walk with the Lord and he saw him do miracles and he knew many things. He confessed him as Savior and Lord and the Messiah, but here it hit him again like a ton of bricks. He sees it when he saw it and saw the fish, he turns to Jesus and fell at his knees. Depart from me, I'm a sinful man. That's brokenness. A brokenness because of sinfulness. A contrition because of sinfulness. A humility, a turning to the Lord for help because of sin. God resists the proud. He loves them, but he resists the proud. And he gives grace to who? The humble. He gives grace to the humble, those that turn to him. I'm going to bring this to a close, but again, some are crushed, some individual people right in our day. Some are crushed by life, the events of their life, yet they refuse to fall down at the knees of Jesus. A wise man would fall down at the feet of Jesus. A wise man would fall down and say, this is where I, where I need to be and I need to stay here. I want to stay right here at the feet of Jesus. That's where I want to be. That's where I need to be. Oh, I am broken. I want to be broken. You know, some are crushed by life and the events of life and yet refuse to bow before the Lord. They're not broken with a godly brokenness. Only way to be healed is to be broken. An old preacher I heard say one time, the only way you can get a man saved, you first you got to get him lost. They need to know they're lost. They need to know they're in sin. They need to have that weight of that sin hit them. You need to experience the absolute full, heavy weight of sin, the whole thing upon you, and then turn to the Lord and have him lift it off of you. 
You think I'm really not that bad? I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I can straighten it out. Lord, I just need a little booster shot. I just need a little help over this rough area. No, you don't. You need to be born again. You need to be born of the Spirit of Almighty God. And guess what? You're going to need the Lord all the rest of your life, too. Just as much to keep you and to keep us from falling. The only way to be healed is to be broken. Some are hurt and devastated, but won't turn to the Lord. But all men that do, they're going to, and turn to Jesus, they're going to find mercy. They're going to find healing. They're going to find healing from their, for their brokenness and their broken hearts. Real help, genuine, glorious, wonderful help from the Lord. That's the heart of the Lord for lost men. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. So here's Jesus in Luke chapter 4. He's just returned from the, the 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. He didn't eat or drink. He was tempted by the devil three times at the end of that fasting. And he, re, he resisted the, the devil and overcame him by the word of God. He returns in the power of the Spirit. Look at verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And it was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he had sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book there. So he's quoting from Isaiah. The only time in the whole Bible that the word brokenhearted is used is here, where Luke, he's quoting it in Luke, but he's quoting from Isaiah. And brokenhearted Brokenhearted means to crush completely. The Lord has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Not, oh, it's a broken world filled with broken people. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. It means to, brokenhearted means to crush completely, to shatter, to, broke, to be broken in shivers. This has to be, this has to be the condition of a man's heart before the Lord. It's not enough like to have a parrot or a robot to quote John 3.16 or to say the sinner's prayer. There has to be a brokenness and contrition in the heart before the Lord. has to be. Now, I can't measure it. God can measure it. So it's not up to me to judge whether that was sincere or insincere when I view it in another person. God knows. But I'm saying, and the Word of God saying, it has to be there. That has to be the condition of a man's heart. It's not a fake thing. It's not like the Pharisees who prayed and disfigured their faces that they may appear to men unto fast. It's a real contrition in the heart which the Lord sees and he values. I'm going to read this. Jesus talks about, uh, in Psalms, it talks about the stone which the builders rejected. A stone is an individual. It's Christ. The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head cornerstone. Okay? 
And so that's Christ. It was prophesied about him. And he says, whosoever, in Matthew 21, shall fall on this stone, whoever, whosoever shall fall upon Christ, this stone shall be broken. That's a good thing, by the way. Whoever falls upon Christ, they're going to have that broken, contrite spirit. And as quick as they're broken and contrite, the Lord's going to heal them and fix them and save them and forgive them and wash them and cleanse them and wrap his arms around them. It has to be there. That contrition has to be there. Whosoever shall fall on the stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever, whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. That's not a good thing. That's the ones that reject the Lord all the time. But one day every knee is going to bow and one day every tongue is going to confess that of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what the Bible says. Whoever it falls upon and they refuse the Lord and shake their puny little fists at Almighty God and say, I won't bend, I won't bow, I won't come broken before you. I won't acknowledge my sin. I like my sin. I want nothing to do with this God. At some point, they're going to die. At some point when they die, and after, the, after that comes judgment. And that stone will fall upon them in that sense, and they'll be ground to powder. Not a godly contrition and brokenness, a brokenness, a destruction that will come upon them. But a genuine working of the Holy Spirit is going to lead us to a true brokenness before Almighty God. Amen? A brokenness before Almighty God. Can I tell you that this brokenness and contrition, I'm, I'm closing, is not simply for the lost man. We've been talking about a broken world out there. This contrition and brokenness is to be our attitude after we're saved, continually, continually before the Lord. And I think the closer we draw to the Lord and the Lord, more we see our sin more clearly, maybe we don't see it all the day we get saved, but as we walk with the Lord and see our own struggles against sin, depression and worry and fear and anger and hatred and jealousy and all these other things that pop up in our lives as Christians the more we see our great need for the Lord, that we need to come before the Lord. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He wants us to come. We have to be brought to the, per, to the place of understanding there's a reason, there's a cause for what's wrong in my life, and there certainly is a cause and a reason for what's wrong in the world at large. It's sin. What's, what's the cure for sin? Faith in Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, says in, in 1 John. So we come to the Lord in the great physician and we're healed. So I'm going to read three scriptures as we close. Psalm 34, verses 4 and 5. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me out of all my fears. Looked on him and they were lightened. And their faces were not ashamed. The Lord is nigh unto them, verse 18, that are of a broken heart. Where is the Lord? He's near to who? The Lord is near unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. You're going to have plenty of afflictions in your life as a righteous child of God. But still, we have come broken before the Lord with a contrite heart and a contrite spirit. I'm going to close with the verse, and D, you can, you can come. The verse I opened with, 
or one of the two verses I'll open with. Thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. Well, we know that. God, you're holy. You dwell in heaven. You live in a holy place. But he goes beyond that. And he says, with him also. So there's going to be people with me that are dwelling with me in this high and holy place that inhabits eternity. eternity. With him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Contrite, contrite and humble spirit. Remember, it means to crush. It means to collapse. Physically or mentally, somebody would just collapse. That's who I'm going to dwell with. Because that's the ones who can be healed. That's the ones that can be saved. That's the ones that can be helped. That's the ones I, that will repent. And I can carry them to repentance because they're going to let me carry them to repentance. With the contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. I want you to stand with me this morning. We're going to close with that, that scripture. It's a real simple thought here, but as we look at the world and view the world around us that Jesus loves and that Jesus Christ died for and shed his blood for and came to, to redeem, it is broken in that sense that it's not working the way it's supposed to. And it has to do with sin and being not in a right relationship with their creator. All of it. All creation groans and travails and pain together until now. Like even this creation is going to be there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to be refined with fire wherein dwells righteousness. We're going to get to dwell with him who's high and lofty and inhabits eternity. But we need to come contritely before the Lord with the true brokenness. We need to have us have the full weight of our sin sort of hit us. We need to feel it. We need to experience it. Even as Christians, when we sin, you can't just, just blow it off real quick. God, forgive me and keep rolling. Yes, we ask the Lord to forgive us, but there needs to be some sting to it. There needs to be something that, that, uh, that causes us to truly turn from it, that causes us to come to the Lord for his mercy and appreciate his mercy. Thank you for being merciful to me a sinner. Thank you for saving me, but thank you for forgiving me the million and one times you've had to forgive me since I've been saved. So those altars are open, y'all. I pray that we would come, worship the Lord, meet with Him at this altar with the humble hearts and contrite hearts and spirits. It's sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, oh God, that will not despise.